Hello, I'm Bruce Malcolm, and this is Denise Malcolm. We're proud to share with you this podcast series, Keeping Kids Safe, a Bright Futures podcast by the Daniel Malcolm Foundation. Each episode will feature practical insights on how to teach your child safety in our world today. We will help parents and carers understand and navigate the challenging world of child sexual abuse. What child sexual abuse is, the behaviours and signs to be wary of, and how to respond if you are worried about this with children you know. Our host, Walkley Award-winning journalist Nance Haxon, will talk with survivors, parents, leading researchers and professionals working on the front line in this area to give you the tools and resources you need. It's time for difficult conversations on this hidden topic. This podcast talks openly about child abuse, child sexual abuse, child sexual exploitation and harmful sexual behaviours. We are aware the content raised in this podcast series may be triggering by some listeners. There are links in our show notes for organisations that can support you. Please feel free to take a breather when you need it. Today on Keeping Kids Safe, a Bright Futures podcast for the Daniel Morecambe Foundation, we're speaking with Karen McCracken about her theatre production, Yes, 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 which is teaching young Australians about consent. Yes, Yes, Yes is an innovative and brave piece of theatre created especially for young people from 14 to 22 years old who are navigating the world of relationships and consent and wondering how they get through it. It's part confession, part documentary and part open conversation with the audience. And he's looking at me like, what just happened? Hey, why? Why did I do that? Why didn't you just tell him that he didn't want to hook up right then? Well, I didn't want him to think that I was like, well, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And, and I didn't want him to think I was play, playing hard to get or, or being a tease or something, or I didn't want him to just not care and try to kiss me anyway. Or since I'd agree to get back to the room with him, maybe he thinks I've already agreed to having sex with him, because I don't like feeling powerless because of all the times in my life that I felt afraid. The show has been honed since 2018, overcoming pandemic interruptions to resume touring around the world. Hey, where have you been? Hey, what do you mean? Feels like you're ghosting me, huh? Been busy, eh? Oh, yeah, sweet. Haven't talked to you since the party, really. Yep. Glad to see you made it out alive. Okay, what's going on? Nothing. Why is Ari out of school? Sick. Yeah, but like, is Ari talking to you? Yep. Okay, everything all good? Jamie, for real. Are we doing this? Karen McCracken fearlessly goes where so many fear to tread, breaking the fourth wall and speaking directly with the young people in the audience about what they find hard in negotiating intimacy. But back to Tom. You're going to hear from Tom in this section because when we were writing the show, I called him up. And I was like, hey, Tom, how are you going? Hey, Karen, wow, it's been a long time. Um, I'm good, yeah, how, how are you? I'm good. I'm good too. I just, um, I just wanted to ask you a question. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right now that I have a girlfriend. So, <laughs> yeah. No, that's not, that's not my employee, Tom. Um, congratulations. But uh, I just wanted to ask you about the night that, that we hooked up. McCracken holds the stage on her own for an hour telling the stories of two couples, Jamie and Ari and Karen and Tom. Their stories start much the same, 
both at parties, deciding that they like each other. But their endings are very different. And playing short clips from interviews with young people from New Zealand, Karen shows how to enter this daunting world of consent and end up resoundingly saying, yes, yes, yes. Karen McCracken says they aim to make brilliant theatre that meets young people where they're at. Karen, thank you for joining us on the Keeping Kids Safe, a Bright Futures podcast for the Daniel Morecambe Foundation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I've just seen this wonderful production of Yes, Yes, Yes. Can you tell us a bit about what this show is about? It's so hard to encapsulate, but I'm just blown away. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for seeing it. Uh, Yes, Yes, Yes is about consent and healthy relationships, and it's aimed at young people from about 14 to 22, although we get a lot of general public in as well. Uh, And it's it's really skills building and strengths-based, looking at how all people can lead healthy relationships in their lives. So when we were making the show, we worked with a number of schools, a number of classes of students to try to make sure that the material was relevant and appropriate and interesting to them. And then we did video interviews with, with a bunch of them, which are featured in the show. Indeed. And you actually explained it with some of your Q&A after the show that there's a bit of a verbatim approach. Can you explain that as well? For sure, yeah. So verbatim theatre is basically just when you feature the real words of real people. It's often a feature of what we'd call social practice theatre. You're kind of going into a community to make theatre with them and, and for them or addressing a specific kind of social need. And so, yeah, that's a feature of this show. We We have the real interviews with real young people that we worked with about all sorts of things, about dating and consent and objectification and um, relationships. And I, you know, I love verbatim theater because it's, it's really interesting and, and often real people are just much more interesting than fictional people. So I'm so happy that they're in the show. Oh, it gives that real ring of authenticity, doesn't it? Because you, like you say, you can't, you can't really make up what people say and the, the way in which they put it, the, the, the way that these teenagers in your show described the situations they were in was just so astute. Totally. And, and I think that really goes to the heart of one of the principles for us building was that it's a strengths-based show. We come from the position that young people have the skills to navigate these healthy relationships and they're really smart and they have a lot of wisdom that they can share. So we're just trying to platform that. And it started, the journey of this show, like many things, was interrupted by COVID, but it's been going for a few years. Yeah, yeah. So we we started making the show in 2018. We, we did a previous show called Jane Doe, which was for a general public audience. And it was a... Um, it was much more about the consequences of, of assault, essentially. So it was it was different. It was quite a bit darker in mm. some ways. Uh, and then people kept saying, you know, we, you should bring this show into schools. And, and, and I had done consent education in classrooms, so I knew that it wasn't going to be appropriate because it, it should be positive and, and also be thinking about the value of relationships in our lives. So we got commissioned by Auckland Live in New Zealand to build Yes, Yes, Yes. Started making in 2018. We premiered it in 2019. Then COVID happened, and so we didn't get to tour it for a while, and then we kind of got back on the road in 2021. And this is our first time to Australia with it, so it's very exciting. How great that Auckland Live commissioned it as well. It's quite forward-thinking. I kind of feel like in the last five years there's been a real move forward in the sophistication of discussion around consent. Totally. I mean, Auckland Live are a fantastic commissioning partner. They saw Jane Doe 
and they really wanted to support us to to make something sort of purpose built for that age group and and I do think that there has been a real change in a, yeah a real change in how we talk about consent and and I think we're moving from an outrage space into a well what do we do space and and what skills do we need to build space and and as practitioners I think Eleanor and I have moved if Jane Doe was in the rage space, then yes is yes is definitely in the um, what do we do about it. Space. So it reflects it on the, in that level as yeah, well. Yeah, totally, totally. You mentioned in the show that you, you wanted to create a show that it was something you wished you'd been able to see as a 16-year-old, yes? Yeah, totally, yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, Eleanor and I just, you know, we, reflecting that when we were that age and, and for for anyone, you know, my age or, or older or even younger – we just had to fend for ourselves. There was never any discussion. I probably didn't hear the word consent in a sexual context until well after I'd left school. And so there was just so much difficulty around that. And and I think it would have been a lot easier if, if we'd had something, a resource. Yeah. And I think it really mirrors, in fact, a lot of the content we've had in this podcast so far that almost I think every interview has been saying, we need to have these conversations so much earlier. High school, even late primary school. Totally, yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And I, and I think that if someone wants to commission us to make a show about this for yeah. younger a younger audience, we would yes. be totally game because we know how to talk to kids about consent. We know, like, if you say, hey, that's so-and-so's pencil, you can't take their pencil, they understand that idea of getting permission and, and clocking up how other people feel about something. So I think it's totally appropriate to be talking with, with younger children about this. Because so often it seems like that information is coming too late. Absolutely, and I think we're getting in, we're getting in at an interesting time with this show because it is mm. it is kind of when teenagers are starting to explore that, and obviously they're all on different paths of that of that journey when they see it. But um, it's coming right at the at the time where they're going to have to make decisions and they're going to have to like you know enact that behavior in their own lives. So. I think there's lots of value in getting those conversations started earlier. And it makes me think of a quote from Carolyn Jones from Youth Law Australia. They provide advice to teenagers uh-huh, and in uh-huh. this, these situations, but how she said that we've also got to get more comfortable with young people having a right to a sexual life and to having that sexual behaviour and knowing the rules around that. A hundred percent. I mean, it's a huge part of the conversation, which I think is missed, is that yeah relationships sexual relationships should be a positive part of your life otherwise why why are we doing it you know why are we engaging in any of this and and it gets missed and so I think it's often a fear-based approach and it's like if you mess this up you're gonna ruin your life and you're gonna ruin someone else's life and and it needs yes I think you're absolutely right we need to get comfortable with the idea of sexuality and and people being sexual and, and wanting to have that as to be a fun part of their existence. And I loved the, some of the metaphors that you were using and comparing some of these feelings with really great food that we love eating yeah. or just something really tactile that, um, and, and you could really hear the young people here, the students giggling and kind of relating to that. Totally, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we won't reveal the food, but um, as that it will be a spoiler, but yes, totally. Like in the same way that we derive pleasure from things that we're, we're okay talking about, like dessert, um, we should be able, I think we, it, we, we'd be better off as a, as a community if we could do the same about, yeah, our relationships. Yeah. I found the intertwining way that you 
did this in the play really interesting because, it, like you say, there was there was one scenario that didn't work out perhaps so positively, but another one, and both of them started in a similar place. Yeah. Another one that ended very differently, and that obviously was quite deliberate to show that there are there are plenty of places along the way that we can change that path. Totally, there was so many reasons why we wanted to do that. One was that we wanted to, we really wanted to land that consent is not like a blank check that you write at the beginning of the night it's for different things at different times and in the story between Karen and Tom me and Tom you know I don't want to kiss when he does and then but then we navigate that and then you know we do end up sleeping together and enjoying it yeah and enjoying it and being a positive (laughs) things but it requires some negotiation you know requires us to talk about it and that you know, Ari in the other storyline really does the same things, but we have this totally different ending. And that's nothing to do with me and nothing to do with Ari. You know, it's 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 the responsibilities on the, the on all of us to be clocking in and checking in with our with our partner. Yeah. And yeah. I think that actually uh, there was a, a wonderful part of the show there too where you were talking about how to discuss with someone who's been through sexual assault, mm-hmm. a really unpleasant sexual experience. This was a real passion project for both of us especially so the work that I'd done in classrooms it was quite clear to me that if someone discloses sexual violence and it's responded to poorly that's some that sometimes can be as traumatic as destabilizing as you know awful as as the event not always but there's statistics around the damage that that can do and that we just if I mean if we don't talk about consent we really don't talk about how we support and how we talk to people who've experienced assault and that was something that you know I was reflecting on from being in high school and not and not knowing what to say and and sort of panicking about it and then and then messing it up and and feeling bad about that but there are things that people can do that they can say that will really help in those experiences so could you maybe say what advice you would give I suppose in that situation I know it's it's something you you see very vividly in the show but for people who are listening and thinking yeah gee I hope if I'm ever in that situation that I handle it appropriately yeah totally yes so obviously in the show we do a long conversation and and you know some of its tone some of its content but Mm -hmm. if I was going to give three pieces of advice to people responding to a disclosure I would say or the three things you could say are it's not your fault I believe you and are you safe now you know really checking it and and that's you know in, in our work a bit more relevant if it's especially if it's you know a young person um, who's disclosing mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that they're not in a home where harm is continuing to happen and then the fourth one would be like refer them on you know there are services with professionals who are fantastic at these things it's obviously a lot to hold yourself so don't feel like you need to be a therapist in that moment but but know that there are places that this person can go and with a little bit of research you, you can easily find them yeah what sort of feedback have you had from some of the young people who who've watched it? Yeah, really positive feedback, I think. And today was a beautiful, it was our first show in Australia and they were, the feedback was lovely. I think, you know, one of the students said, this felt really real to me and this made sense to me. And that's kind of what we're shooting for is that it feels like it makes sense to that, that audience. And we, we want to treat them as equals. We don't, you know... W- my lord when I saw a theater when I was in high school it just felt so condescending and so patronizing and so we really didn't want to do that and um I think that is feedback that we get that they that 
they feel like they're being spoken to as equals, which they are. It's almost like you've been on this whole journey, really, from the start when you interviewed the students to now actually sort of giving that information back. If I can take you back to when you first gathered this information, was there really a lot of confusion from this age group about consent? Or what is your memory of those Mm -hmm. times? To be honest, kind of no. They they had, Mm. you know, there was questions, but they were the same questions that people my age were asking. You know, there were no... And they had, I think, far better vocabulary around it probably than most people my generation did. Yeah, I think still getting comfortable with the material. And we've seen that evolve even more over the over the intervening years. I think they had a better innate sense of what they were, what they deserved and what, what was okay. Because I think if someone had asked me about this stuff when I was 16, honestly, I would have been like, it's my responsibility to, to, to keep myself safe. And if I can't do that, then it's my fault. And I'd say that's kind of the biggest attitudinal change I've noticed is that young people are like, no, it's not my responsibility to keep myself safe. Yeah. And it's really busting quite a few of those myths. I think that in terms of the actual nuts and bolts of consent, it's, I think the thing that young people talked about a bit more was Mm -hmm. being on the internet, not necessarily with porn, but, um, a lot of the conversations happening online, so you you miss out on facial expression, body language, a lot of that stuff. A lot of these important conversations are happening just text-based, and that's really different to when I was in school because it was all happening, you know, IRL. Um, and it's problematic, isn't it? Yes, yeah, because you're not picking up on that body language. Totally. And so you know, we talk about one of the one of the young people on the uh, video talks about receiving nudes unsolicited nudes you know stuff like that that's really different contextually mm-hmm. and um that's a problem and and i you know it's good to see and i'm, I'm actually not i don't know what australia is doing on this front but in mm-hmm. new zealand this is the harmful digital communications act so there are things that are coming in to try to help curb some of that harm but yeah it's kind of a beast and do you hope that it might be picked up uh, you know if anyone hears this and thinks oh this is an important conversation we need to have is there an opportunity to maybe talk to you about coming as part of the tour or you know on the back of that or something yeah I mean th- we'd love to hear from anyone who wants to put the show on we probably can't do it on this tour because it's it's set now but definitely get in touch we have yeah we've got an amazing producer in Australia who's who's helping us set up um, some tours so definitely talk to us um, and if for whatever reason you have listeners internationally they should get in touch too. Uh, yeah. Because you mentioned that the show is being updated as well. I found that interesting. And what sort of um, changes have, have, how has the show evolved? Well, we try to update the video interviews semi-regularly. And actually, very excitingly, we're going to do an Australian set of interviews in Melbourne. So Art Centre are helping us do that. And we're, we're, we're super excited. And I, I think that will be fantastic because... It's time for us to do another set of them. And I think I really want to know what, what's going on in Australia. You know, I want to know what um, the deal is here. I love working with them. And they're always so generous and gracious. So, so frank too. Yeah, so frank. I mean, we do quite a lot of, we workshop with them before they end up in these interviews. So they know me quite well by the time I'm interviewing them. But they're just so generous. and I And I think... Yeah, I don't know. Just feel so lucky to work with them. It's almost like a, a living research project. I think you'd describe it as really. Isn't yeah, it? well, that's a, that's a very nice way of putting it. I, I um, 
yeah, long may they continue, these interviews. So as a bit of a summary for parents and carers who are listening, and young people too, let's hope that they're listening as well and thinking, oh, maybe I'll come along. How would you summarise these consent issues? Is this something we need to be talking about all the time? I think it's something we should be talking about, we should all be talking about, and I, I know that parents and guardians have lots of concerns in this area and maybe not that many resources, which is why I think if you're listening and you want to you know, come, we had a, a mother in today with her two daughters, I think it's a great way to start a conversation, and that could be in a school group or you can just come separately. Sometimes it's easier to be able to talk about the thing that you just saw, you know, as a starting point for a really robust conversation. I love when that happens, and I and I and I think it's so valuable. And I and I do think that we always talk about ending sexual violence is a whole community effort. No, no one's going to do it alone, and that so that we need to be able to link up with the community. So we, you know, we're aware of the services in the area, and we want these conversations to be happening in the theater, at the school, at the home. You know. They need to be happening everywhere for, for it to end. And that's the end of this episode of Keeping Kids Safe, a Bright Futures podcast by the Daniel Morcom Foundation. Make sure you go to the links in our show notes for resources and support. Remember, parents and carers, you've got this. You can subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast provider and give us a like on your socials. And if you found this helpful, Please share far and wide and rate and review it too so more people can find us. Even if it's just telling a friend about this podcast, that's great. We want to empower as many parents and carers as possible each and every episode. You can support the work of the Daniel Morcom Foundation by visiting our website and donating or call us for more information on 1300 326 435. Thank you for never forgetting, Daniel. You guys are very much part of the solution. Please complete the survey. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next episode.